Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. Anyways, everybody excited to be in church tonight? Yeah. We feeling good? Yeah. Who's ready for week two of Chasing Daylight? Yeah. Fantastic. I'm going to keep the tears to a minimum, uh, but I do want to preach it how I feel it tonight. Does that sound good? Yes. I, uh, I don't know if it's just me or if I'm alone in this, but this is not uh, hyperbole and this is not fake. This is not a facade. I actually believe God's going to do something tonight. I actually believe we're not here by accident. I don't think that this just all happened. I think you and I are in this room at this exact period of time because it was ordered, because God put it in motion, because he has a plan to meet you and I right where we are tonight, not just in worship, but in this message that we're going to bring forth. Are you ready to receive what God has for you? Because I want it. I'm not convinced. Do you want it tonight, what God has for you? We're a life-giving church. I love it. So, week one of Chasing Daylight, we preached a message called Life After Death. Ingrid, I was I thought you had my back. She didn't. She wasn't there. It's okay. We got Life After Death, which was a incredibly hard message to preach, but it is a message where we, and you can find it, download it, it's on the podcast, but we talked about how with Jesus, there was always life after death. We have worries, we have anxieties, we have things that we experience in this life. We have things that have made us who we are, parts of our personalities. There are things in this life that Jesus says to each and every single one of us, lay it down, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. But what we came to learn at the end of that message is that every time there's a cross involved with God, involved with Jesus, there is always life after death. He will never exchange what he has called dead in your life for not new life. He will always bring you new life. Isn't that good? Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that what just happened? I thought he forgot his notebook. I was like, what? Nice. My man, saving me. Um, but yes, and so we started Chasing Daylight. There's a, uh, I don't, it won't be up on the screen, but I just want to preface it for you guys right here. Uh, we based it all off of John 9, 4 through 5 that says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work as long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. I love it. This is Jesus. And he is saying, while there is work to do and while there is sunlight to do it, we are going to go as hard as we can. We are going to say it as loud as we can. We're going to get to as many people as we can. We're going to give up whatever we got to give up. We are going to chase daylight. Does that sound good? So tonight, I want to preach a message. If you're taking notes, where my note taker's at? If you haven't found out by now, I make fun of y'all if you don't raise your hand. The title of my message is this. It is week two, Chasing Daylight, Something Bigger Than My Eyes. Mm. People are like, what's that mean? I'm going to tell you. It's good. Would you just turn and tell your neighbor right now that I have something bigger than my eyes? Say, don't question it. Just let it happen. I got something bigger than my eyes. Y'all good with the Bible tonight? 
Uh, so the scripture that we're going to frame up that very awkward sentence is, is coming out of Mark 11, 22 through 24. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible if you don't have a Bible with you tonight or a Bible app, uh, but make sure you write this down. Mark 11, 22 through 24. I'm coming out of the ESV because that's what God ordered tonight. Anyway, it starts off with this. It says, and Jesus answered them, them being the disciples, have faith in God. I love how Jesus just kind of tells it how it is. Have faith in God. Verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, who whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Man, there is not much better news besides Jesus going to the cross that we're going to hear in the Bible. Does that sound good? Yeah. So we're going to preach, we're going to believe, but first we're going to pray, and then we're going to get on to it. Is that all right? Yes. Jesus, we just thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you that your word is a double-edged sword, that it's going to go forth, God, and it is going to pierce the very fiber of our being tonight. God, we want a revelation tonight. Jesus, we didn't come to church when we could be downtown celebrating St. Patty's Day. We didn't come here, God, for any play-play religious kind of church. We came for an experience with our creator, God. You say that you know the numbers of our head, of, of, of the hair on our head, Jesus, before the foundations of the earth. We want to have an experience with that creator tonight, with that creator who knows us so intimately, God that there is no faking with you, Jesus. We can pretend in public, Jesus, but you know every part of us in the private, so we want to know that you're with us tonight, God. We want to experience you tonight, God. We want to go forth with you tonight with a deeper relationship and revelation of who you are, God. So King Jesus, come and move in this place. Right now, Holy Spirit, we just let you do your thing. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. So, can I be a little bit honest tonight? Is that all right? I have this problem, okay? Somebody say problem. I got this problem where if it's the holidays or I'm at Chipotle, there's really no in-between for me. <laughs> you can ask my wife, hey, what are we doing tonight? Yeah, you want to go to Chipotle? You want to go to Chipotle? Uh... But whether it's the holidays or my in-laws, you can ask them to. Whenever there's an opportunity for an abundance of food, I'm kind of excited. I kind of get stoked. Anybody, anybody else in here where you just get a little too hyped, a little too excited, too quickly, you can't turn back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. We all share my problems. So... If I'm at a holiday event, usually my mother-in-law is cooking up something real delicious. There's like 18 different kinds of meat. I didn't even know you could kill 18 different animals, but there are. It's delicious. I'm going to eat all of it. <laughs> Whether I'm at Chipotle and I'm like, yo, I got how many options for meat? I'm going to eat all of it. And just to make this analogy even wider, if I see guac, where are my guac people at? I'm not a guac person, but I know you're in here. If there's guac in abundance, you're there. Lord, let it flow from heaven. But I got a problem because when I have abundance of meat available to me, I pull up quick to get with it. And it's just like, come on, I am here for some meat. Or if I'm at the movie and I get a large popcorn bucket all to myself, Adrienne will uh, we'll get her the little sidecar box, the little sidecar box, and we'll uh, put some in the side and I'll ask for immediate refill because I'm just planning on smashing this whole thing in an hour and a half. It's going to be amazing. Actually, it'll probably be done in the first 30 minutes if we're, and then I'm back for more because who doesn't love popcorn? Anybody else addicted to movie theater popcorn? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. It's good. You know what? We'll pray for you. So, because popcorn is from heaven. 
So, uh, it's true. We don't even know where it came from. Aliens, I'm kidding. Joking. It was on an episode of The X-Files. Don't judge me. So, uh, it's about corn. It was awesome. It was black corn. Anyways, so, there was this thing. You see what the problem is? We have a bank account set up. Anyways, so, I have this situation. We're just having fun. I have a situation where I get too excited. I cannot turn back. And so when it comes to loads of meat, Chipotle, holidays, whatever it is, I have got a plate. I have got a burrito bowl. I have got a bucket of popcorn. And I'm going to get about halfway through. I'm about to get 12 minutes into eating this big plate of food. And I find myself in a world of absolute hurt. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? See, I have this condition that's often been said about me that, Matt, you have got eyes bigger than your stomach. Has anybody ever heard that term before? Anybody ever said that about you? I was like, don't put your shame on me. Don't put guilt on me. I'm here to live my best life trying to eat all the ham and turkey I can before I pass out. <laughs> and you're out here telling me that I got eyes bigger than my stomach. No, no, no. My stomach just needs to catch up with my eyes. Okay? It's a problem. I'm working on it. So, Hips don't lie. Leave it alone. Anyways, how many times can I make a Shakira joke tonight? We're going to find out. But I have this problem where my eyes are bigger than my stomach. And I think it's kind of a silly phrase. It's kind of a silly idea or notion. You're probably wondering what this has to do with Jesus, the Bible, or anything. Uh, Matt, what are you, why are you telling us this? Let me tell you. It's funny, but I think in, 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 in the existence of humankind, I think of being human eyes bigger than something is, 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 is kind of a problem that we have. I think as humans that we are fallen, we are fractured, we are broken human beings that often our eyes, or should I shift the point and say our perception is often bigger than reality. I think as human beings, we should have been born with a tattoo on our forehead, a disclaimer from God that says, caution, Things in this life may appear bigger than they actually are to the human. If you are a human being born after Adam or Eve, you should have been born with a label on your forehead that says caution, problems, circumstances, situation, objects, people, notoriety, fame, loss, grievances, Objects may appear, situations in life may appear larger than they are simply because you're human. I think we should have been born with this caution because I think it would have saved a lot of us a lot of time with the understanding. You know what? It ain't as big as I think it is. It's not, as, it's not as big as I thought it was. It wasn't as much of an undertaking. It wasn't as big as blow as I thought it was going to be. It didn't go as bad as it looked it was going to go. It didn't... But, you know, I think in this life, it's the human condition to have eyes bigger than a lot of things. Silly analogy, analogy about the food, but I think if we were to look at what Jesus did on the cross and what, we, what Adam and, and Eve experienced before the fall of man, if we were to look at their lives, if we were to look at what Jesus was able to do, he was able because he was fully God and fully man at the same time. He could evaluate with his eyes a situation but he could overcome with his faith and with his spirit any obstacle or any situation that he may come, uh, come across, that he may come in contact with, may ever line up against him. 
So my thought tonight is simply this. What's an area in your life? What's a place in your life? What's a season in your life? What's a situation in your life right now? But maybe your eyes have been lying to you. Maybe your perception of reality is a little bit off. Maybe because of your fallen, sinful human nature right now, we haven't stepped into what God has called us to, which is to look to Jesus to have faith and know that this scenario and this situation ain't as bad as it seems and you're doing better than you think you are and God is doing more than you see him doing. That's who he is. That's who we are. You see, when Jesus, he wrote this piece of scripture, when he's in this moment where it's happening right here, he's talking to the boys and a little bit of clarity. He got done cursing a fig tree. Anybody heard about this piece of scripture? So they're out. He's hanging out with his boys, his disciples. They're doing things, being awesome, being like God. It's a good time. Jesus turns, sees his tree. He's like, yo, you're dead. Walks away. Peter and the boys are with Jesus the next day at the beginning of this piece of scripture. And he goes, Jesus, or Peter goes to Jesus goes, hey, Jesus. I don't know why he talks like that. That's just my interpretation of Peter every time. Hey! I don't know. He's like, that tree you cursed, you killed it. And Jesus is like, yeah? Messiah. This guy. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. This tree that you cursed, you killed it. And I don't know why he says killed. That's just my opinion of Peter. Once again, I am informing this character with what entertains me. But I think as Jesus, he says, he looks right at Peter and he goes, have faith. Have faith in, in what? Have faith in God. Don't have faith in the fact that I just cursed this fig tree and died. Don't have faith in all the other miracles that I've done that you've seen. Have faith in God. And he has to clarify this to his disciples. He has to say, if you were to tap into what I have for you, this life and life to the full, if you were going to live the abundant life, if you're going to do and be and accomplish all that I have created and put you into motion for, have faith in God. And as they're all walking and they're hanging out and the fig tree's dead, and Jesus, I think he was being awesome, but he just goes, subject A, here's a mountain. It's freaking huge. And the disciples are like, well, yeah, nobody's here to debate that. It's good. It's good. So far, so far. Track with the Jesus. It's good. And he goes, here's a mountain. He says to the disciples, if any of you should believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and have no doubt, this mountain can be moved and it can be dropped into the sea. If you were to believe it and if you were to speak it, it would be done for you. And it's crazy because in this part of scripture, they've already been with Jesus for a minute. They've already been rolling with Jesus. They've seen some miracles. They've seen him delivering some girls. They've seen him throwing out demons and putting them in the pig. They've experienced Jesus doing Jesus things. And he's saying to his disciples what he will go on to say many more times because like you, like me, they need a daily reminder. If you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you are more capable than you think you are. That's right. And so Jesus, he's saying to these disciples, you see this mountain, but this mountain size, it misleads you because of your eyes. You see, you got something on the inside of you that is bigger than your eyes. You got something on the inside of you that should be bigger than what misleads you, bigger than what your situation is saying, louder than what the doctors or anybody else is affirming to you. 
You got something on the inside of you that's bigger than your eyes. You have a spirit on the inside of you that is bigger than your eyes. And church, I just kind of got to believe tonight. I feel like because of the last few weeks of church that we've had and the things that we've had go on and the things that have happened in our personal, private lives, that man, there are some people in church tonight that need a fresh touch of God that need a fresh touch of heaven. We need a fresh reminder tonight that there is something on the inside of us, no matter what our situations are telling us or what those around us are speaking doubt into, there is something on the inside of us. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is not freaky, but he is clearer than our eyes. He is more... Am I, am I preaching to anybody tonight? Yeah. You have something that is bigger than your eyes. You know, in 2018, I, I don't think that we have a social problem. I don't think that we have an education problem. I don't think that we have a political problem. Are there policies that need to change? Absolutely. Nobody's here to debate that. There are policies that need to change. There's legislature that needs to be passed. There are people and places and power and things that need to change. And, and we need to see some things move. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's in the natural. But I'm curious, because again, I don't think the problems that the earth is experiencing and all the things that we have going on right now, I don't think they come down to what man is able to do or not do or what bills we're able to pass or not pass. I think we have a belief problem. I think that we have a faith problem. I think that we have some Christians in here that call ourselves believers, but we don't actually believe. We label ourselves Christian, but are we actually following Jesus? When we see somebody in the grocery store and we have that moment in our heart that says, you know what, I see them walking around on that cast, so they're probably fine. And we talk ourselves out of having a moment where we could pray with them, where we could have heaven encounter somebody in the Dollar General parking lot. I think our world would look very different if Christians rose up and we actually started chasing daylight. If we took Jesus at his word in John and said, hey, there's going to come a time where it's going to get dark. But right now there is light. Right now this is priority. Right now there are people living lives far from God that need to run into you and me. We need to interact with them because they need heaven to influence their situation. They need heaven to influence their finances. They need heaven to invade their bodies. They need heaven to to bring wellness to their soul. Yeah. Yeah. Friends, this isn't meant to condemn anybody here because as I'm preaching this word, I have as much conviction on the inside of me going on as perhaps you do. This isn't limited to you because you're attending church tonight. No, 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 no. We don't preach messages here that are just for people of the church. We preach messages that things that God is dealing with us on the inside of. I need a fresh touch of heaven. I need a fresh brush up with God. I need him to come down and check my natural and bring it back into reconciliation with the supernatural. Because friends, when natural meets supernatural, one of us is going to bend, but one of us didn't create the other one. So supernatural always trumps the natural. We're in here tonight because we need to know that we have faith bigger than our eyes. We need to take Jesus at his word when he says whatever it is that you're going to come up against. If you would actually take me at my word, you already believe that I came because of a virgin woman. 
The weird stuff, it's already believed. It's already done. The strange parts of our faith, the strange parts of the things that I've said and I've came to you that you've seen me do, you've already accepted it. So why not choose to believe that the same power that rose me from the grave now lives on the inside of you? Our Bible says that the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the same spirit that allowed him to do his ministry here on earth now lives on the inside of you. If you are a follower of the way, if you are a Jesus follower, if you have given your hearts over to who he is and you have believed and you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is Savior, then you have got something on the inside of you that when your, lie, when your eyes begin to lie to you, when the devil tries to come at you with some clickbait and he says, nope, this is worse than you think it is. This is what she meant by those texts. This is what this uh, scenario that you read on Facebook was really about. This is who they're talking about you behind your back. All of these things. The devil's got some clickbait for every single person in here where he wants you to click on what he is serving up and he wants to get you trapped. He wants to get you trapped in an identity that he never gave you. He wants to get you trapped in, in, in a relationship that you should have never have been in. He wants to get you trapped in an affliction and an addiction because you are convinced that right now you come home from a long day of work, the only thing that's going to get you over the hump until tomorrow is a drink from a bottle? That's clickbait. Clickbait are those silly articles that we see on Facebook where it's like, oh, so-and-so said this and it was crazy and all of a sudden it had nothing to do with that at all and that's not what they said. It's a real thing. Clickbait is just 2019 verbiage for People's Magazine. It's not real. If you're going to be able to hang out in grocery stores with your mom growing up, you'll know what People's Magazine is. And if you haven't, take a look around at Meyer. <laughs> Open your eyes. Stay off your phone. Oh, the devil's got clickbait for every single one of us. He would love for your situation, your scenarios, and the life that you find yourself in right now to be the loudest thing, to be the clearest thing, to be the biggest deal for you. But you have got a Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is louder, that is greater, that is better. If it rose Jesus from the dead and allowed him to do every single miracle that he was able to do on this earth, then friends, it should be able to put the things in perspective that we need to be put in perspective. Can I tell you this tonight? The reason I brought up an Adam and Eve earlier and Jesus earlier is this. See, Adam and Eve, before the fall of man, they were in right standing with God, or as it's referred to in the New Testament as righteousness. Righteousness is just a Christian word that means you and I are now in the right standing of God. Jesus, he was fully man and fully God. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we believe here. That when situations, when he is fasting in the desert, when he is tempted in the desert, he is hungry. It's 40 days and 40 nights. Craziness is going on. The devil comes to him and is like, yo, dude, I know you ain't eating. I know you haven't had any water. 28 days. But if you threw yourself off this cliff right now, think God said he was going to send some angels to pick you up. And Jesus, being disoriented, being in the desert, from not eating, from fasting, from seeking God, probably should have been like, I don't know if he's mad at least. Oh yeah, I think he did say that in there somewhere. Cool, let me, let me try it. Because you're disoriented. He wants to lie to you. He wants to get you where he wants you so you'll believe the lie so you'll click the clickbait. But no, 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 Jesus clapped back with his own word. He said, no, 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 the word also says, thou shalt not test our God. 
See, Jesus, because he was fully man and fully God and the Holy Spirit lived on the inside of him, he was righteous. So while problems and trials and tribulations and mountains may have come his way and he might have had a moment even in the garden when he was getting ready to be crucified the next day, he said he evaluated the struggle, the cross that he had to bear, the denying of himself. He evaluated that with his human eyes and he said, Lord, if there's any way this cup will pass from me, take it from me. If there's any way this plight doesn't have to be mine, take it from me. But his righteousness said, but God, if there is no other way, the spirit on the inside of him, what made him in right standing with God, the spirit that was bigger than his eyes said, if there is no other way, then let's go. If there's no other way to reconcile this entire world, to bring hope back to humanity, to make the unright right again, to bring justice to the unjust, if there is no other way to redeem, then it's got to be me. And let's go. I have faith bigger than my eyes. I have a spirit bigger than my eyes. The cross is going to be painful. It's going to be bloody. They're going to poke. They're going to prod. They're going to stab. They're going to mock. I'm going to be strung up naked. But I will feel no shame. My God said he is going to supply my needs. My God says that he's going to supply your needs. He's saying he is going to intervene on behalf of human history. And all I got to do is have a spirit bigger than my eyes. Yeah. I think this is evident for us in 2018 because I think again, 2019. 2019, sorry, I'm not. You know what? Altar call. Who wants to know Jesus? I think for us in 2019, we react that way. We see a problem. And immediately it's the biggest thing in our world. We see something going on in our finances. Immediately it's the biggest thing in our world. We react based off what our eyes are telling us. I can't be alone in that. I can't be the only person that struggles with that. I can't be the only person that gets a message that reads it sideways and suddenly I kind of freak out for a second and it's like, oh no, they meant this and they meant that and they're leaving church and they're this and it's that. And and really I hadn't heard from them for three hours because they were working. Because they were doing something. But if I could take a step back and I could reevaluate my situation and reevaluate that conversation and reevaluate that moment in life and go, you know what? They probably got something going on. They're probably busy like every other human being. Have I had time to text people back? Have I had time to do this? No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us is able to enable us to take a step back out of the natural reality that we see and see things from a supernatural vantage point. And we are able to step back and we are able in the supernatural to believe the best. We preach that here all the time at Takeover Church, right? The best is yet to come. Believe the best. Always give people the benefit of doubt. All of these things. It's hard to do when our eyes are lying to us. It's hard to do when the devil's in our ear and he's trying to convince us of the things that we fear and the worries that we do have and the anxieties that we do carry. But Jesus is telling his disciples in this moment, it seems very simple to Jesus and that kind of gives me confidence because he has the Holy Spirit. He just goes, hey, yeah, I killed the fig tree. Have faith in God. Like, it's like an old English movie. It's like, you know, have faith in God, man. You know what I mean? Like, he's just saying, like, he's like, he's like slapping them in the face. And he's saying, just have faith in God. 
yeah, you saw me pull a demon out of a girl and throw it into pigs, like, and then the pigs committed suicide. Like, have faith in God. Of course I cursed the fig tree and it died the next day. He is saying to you and to me, he's like, hey, don't, don't let, because when I cursed the fig tree, it didn't immediately begin to wither. Don't let that lie to you. Don't let that prayer that was prayed over you and spoken over you Sunday night at Takeover Church just because you didn't see your leg snap back into action. Don't let that prayer get stolen from you. Don't let that word over your life just because college isn't working out the way you thought it would yet. Just because the job that you're in, the career path you're in, what was spoken over your life, what was spoken over your life, it was not rescinded and it cannot be. Just because it hasn't happened yet, just because it didn't happen the way you thought it would, just because it wasn't immediate the way you thought it would, don't let the devil steal that out. Because the next day, the next year, the next month, the next appointment, the next whatever it is. We're going to find ourselves in that moment of being Peter where we are just blown away that Jesus actually is who he said he is. And he is going to look at us and he's going to go, have faith in God. You have something on the inside of you that is bigger than the lies, that are bigger than your eyes, that is bigger than the natural world around you. Which leads me to the next piece of scripture I want to share with you guys tonight. You good? Is this helping anybody out? Yeah. Am I preaching to myself tonight? No. Feeling good? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. It's going to be up in the Sky Bible again. It says this, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Verse 3, If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. Verse 4, For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that picture. What is mortal would actually be swallowed up by what is life. That means supernatural. The things that are going on both inside our world and outside of our world are more life than what is called mortal. Is that good news for anybody else? Verse 5, he says, he would, he who has prepared us for every, for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. I'm going to read that one more time. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. I want to pause right there. Paul is talking to the church of Corinthians. He's saying, I know we're on earth right now. And I know you're living in a tent. The tent is a metaphor for this natural world that we have. A tent can be blown away by the wind. A tent can be washed out by water. A tent can be pushed over by anything. It's kind of how we live, right? As Christians in 2019, sometimes it's like, oh, no, no, we get immediately bad news, and it's zero to 100 real quick. And it's the worst absolute situation. It is the worst thing to have ever happened to us. And then we forget everything that God has already done, everything he has already brought us through, and everything he has already declared over our futures. And we throw it all out simply because one thing happens, one bad report happens, one bad fight happens, and I guess our marriage is over. One bad moment in the natural. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. This thing that's mortal is trumped by this thing called life. It's overtaken by this thing called life. 
there is something called the supernatural. There is something that is existing at this very point in time. There is something that is happening in your life right now that you cannot see. There is a war going on on the other side of you, and you are on the winning side. In your mortal moment, it might look grim, and it might look dim, and it might look like the light is going out, but Jesus Christ is saying, I am the light of the world, and you are the light and salt of the earth. The light is still on. It may seem like it's dimming in your situation, but I'm still alive and active and moving in your life. And Paul goes on to tell these Corinthians, he's like, I know it looks bad. I know church is falling apart. I know you all sold all of your belongings so that you could do this thing, so you could become followers of the way. I know that you are being persecuted. I know that real things are happening. I know that people are being taken from you in the middle of the night simply because you have chosen to follow Jesus. I know it's bad. But he's saying this tent analogy, there is a building that which we belong to. There is a kingdom in which we belong to. There is a house. There is a strong tower. There is a mighty fortress. His name is God. And we have a guarantee of this. It's called the Holy Spirit. And every single one of you right now, you've got it on the inside of you. So even when your loved ones are being taken, even when your life looks like it's going to hell, there's a Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is bigger than your eyes and is bigger than your situation, is bigger than your circumstances. And if you would actually take God at his word, Paul goes on to say this in verse 6, so we are always of good courage. He is saying, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. He says, so we are always of good courage. We do not let our eyes determine what we we believe, we let our spirit determine what we believe in the course of action that we take. We live not by sight, but we live only by faith. Our heart is going to feel wane. Our emotions are going to feel out of control. Our minds are going to try and lie to us. Everything in this world is going to try and convince you that God is not for you, that he has abandoned you, that this is your plight in life, that you are going to die here. Paul is writing to the Corinthians like he's writing to you and me right now. And he is saying, we live not by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. Yeah. You have got a faith that is bigger than your eyes. You have more on the inside of you. God is doing more. He is protecting you. He is around you. He has not abandoned you, nor will he ever, no matter how grim it looks. Yeah. And I love this next verse where he says this. Verse 7, he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 8, he says, yes. Again, he repeats this. I think Paul was trying to get it through their heads. He is trying to say, I know people are being slain. I know it's bad. I know how terrible it's getting. I've been imprisoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by a snake. I know how bad it gets being a Christian. I know. Yes, we are of good courage. We are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Yes, but we are of good courage. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, whether it's grim or it's wind, whatever our life looks like right now, so whether we are at home with the Lord or we are away here on earth, we make it our aim to please him. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Wow. Paul, I'm ready to get saved all over again. We make it our aim to please him. You know what's crazy about that saying? Is that later on in the New Testament, we would read again that it's actually impossible to please God without faith. 
Paul is saying to us, he's saying, so we aim, we make it our greatest concern, our chief concern, our highest priority to please God by being of good courage, by walking by faith and not by sight, not being misled by what the world and our culture is telling us. Or by the lives that are being destroyed around us or the persecution that is happening to us or the enemy that comes knocking on our door. You have a faith that is bigger than your eyes. Worship team, you can begin to join me up here. We have a faith that is bigger than our eyes. And I love that. If you read the writings of Paul, if you hear anything about Paul's life, you would quickly find out that he wasn't always Paul. He was Saul. He used to murder and persecute Christians. He was commissioned to do the dirtiest acts against Christians. And then he has a wild encounter with God. And his whole life changed. He had a fresh touch of heaven. And his entire life changed. He had an interaction. He had an encounter with Jesus. And his entire life turned around. He dropped the Saul name. He changed it to Paul. And he picked up and he walked on in the direction of Jesus. And he would go on to lead the early church. And he would write so much of the, of the New Testament. And he would be in he would be jailed. He would be beaten. He would be shipwrecked. He would be bitten by snakes. He would go through all of these things. And yet he would still write to churches that were falling apart, that were fighting an uphill battle. He would be writing to Christians whose marriages were on the rocks. Even though they knew what God's word said. He'd be writing to people who were afflicted, who had life-ending diseases. He would be writing to them saying, be of good courage. Be of good courage. You don't got to live by what your body is telling you. You got to live by what your eyes are saying to you. You don't got to be misled by the world and the things that are happening around you. We got a guarantee from God. He created it all. We're the ones that messed it up. He created it all. And he is saying there is life beyond the mortal. And it's available to you right now. You don't even got to wait till you die to have your healing. You don't got to wait till you die to have your provision. You don't got to wait till you're walking up to those pearly gates when your life ends to experience life and life to the full. Friends, for us, for you, for me tonight, it's not a political problem that we're experiencing. It would help, but only in the mortal. It's not a mental illness problem. Doctors are awesome, and we love them. Medicine is great, and we support it. Counseling is everything, and we're all for it. Again, that's just mortal. There are things in this life that are open and available to us. We have just got to trust God, take him at his word, be wild enough to step out into the great unknown and go, you know what? It doesn't look like it's getting any better, but I'm going to trust God and we're going to take a step. 
I'm going to trust God and I think my marriage is going to get a little better if I just wake up a little bit early and I get in the word of God and I lean over to my wife and I start asking her what she would actually like to do in our evening times. And we take a little step towards God. And we take another one. And maybe you don't achieve perfection right away. None of us have. You're in good company. It's okay. But we're taking steps towards God. And we're taking steps in believing what his word says. And if he said it, I can actually do it. And we can muster up the courage to believe that prayer that was prayed over us on Sunday night at 5 p.m. when our Monday is going to hell and the rest of our week is looking terrible. And it looks like this week isn't going to be any better than the last 18 that we've had. And it looks like 2019 is going to end up being just like 2018. And everything is falling down around us. We're going to of good courage and we're going to walk into the unknown because we've got something on the inside of us that is bigger than our eyes that is greater than the lies we have a faith on the inside of us that is saying man i can move mountains i can certainly stay faithful in my marriage i can move mountains I can simply beat this addiction. I can move mountains. I can trust God that when he says, give it, it shall be given back onto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running back over onto you. I can take God at his word. When he says that he was bruised for my iniquities, he said he was beaten. When he says he was whipped and he was hung up on a cross, not just for my salvation, but by his stripes, I am healed by what he did on the cross. I can believe because of what he did in the person of Jesus. I can take God at his word and I can know that it is his best for my life. I want us to be a church that's known of being of good courage. I want to be known as a church that actually believes God what he says. I want to be a church that we don't let our eyes lead us. That we let our faith on the inside of us completely convince us and persuade us that our God is better and he is doing more than we ever thought he was and we are doing better than we think we are. Friends, there is a spirit, there's a fresh touch of heaven available to every single one of us. So what we're going to do is this. we're going we're gonna to stand up right now. The worship team is prepared to a medley but really it's surrounded by this idea it's influenced by this idea that there is a faith that there is a spirit available to us on the inside of every single one of us so what I want to do is this I want to have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes we got to do this first part first if you're in here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is you want to hand your life fully over to him. You're sick and tired of always needing saving. You want a Lord who knows what is best for your life, who can control your actions and send you where he wants to go and make sure that you are out here living your blessed life. If that's you and you want to surrender it all to Jesus right now, whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just stick your hand up right now? Just high enough and long enough so that I can see it. Yeah, I see that hand. Is there any other hands in the house? So what I want to do right now is I want to pray a prayer over that individual. Again, we're keeping our heads bowed and our eyes are closed. It's just going to take a second. 
every head bow and eye closed in this place. Jesus, I just thank you for the individual, God, that is surrendering their all to you right now, God. They are not just giving you a portion. They are giving you everything. They are giving you their past. They are giving you their present. And they are giving you their future, God. Any shame or guilt that they have been carrying, God, they surrender it right now. And they pick up righteousness, Jesus, right now. They are picking up hope right now, Jesus. They are taking on your future for them and your identity of them. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, your church said. Amen. Amen. Can you make some noise? But right now, before we sing the song, this is what I want to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. We're going to be a bold church. We're not going to just be bold in our outfits or bold in our social media or bold in front of man, but then timid alone with God. We are going to be a bold church that is going to believe him at his word. And if there is a spirit that is bigger than our eyes that is available to us, then we want to see that outworked and outlived and evident and manifest in our lives. Amen? Amen. So what I want to have us do is this. If you would, would you just raise your hands up right now to heaven? Would you just lift holy hands to the sky? We're going to start singing the song, but right now I'm going to pray for every single person in this place to receive a fresh touch of heaven in their lives, a fresh invasion of heaven in your marriage, a fresh invasion of heaven in your finance, a fresh invasion of heaven in your identity and in your mind and in your mortal so they can impact your eternal. Right now, Jesus, thank you for every hand that is lifted. Holy Spirit, we call you down right now to touch the hearts and lives of every single person that has their hands up. God, we ask for a fresh touch of heaven. Come right now. Holy Spirit, add your way. We're going to start singing, God, to give us faith. Our hands are up and we are believing right now, God, for a fresh boldness. We're going to take you at your word if you said it, I can have it. If you spoke it, I can dream it. God, we can attain what you have said in your word. God, we just thank you right now for every single person in this place. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we surrender our eyes and we take up our cross and we follow you, God, into what you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, a full church set. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.